0: Hi, thank you for joining me again. Gary Zacharias with the Apologist Bookshelf. I want to take a look at a Natasha Crane book called Talking With Your Kids About God, subtitled 30 Conversations Every Christian Parent Must Have. And uh, I've covered it before, so I won't go through all of the details, but it's an excellent book for parents. And frankly, it's a good book for anybody, whether you've got kids or not things on the existence of God, for for example, uh, science and God, the nature of God, believing in God, and the difference God makes. I'd like to do uh, chapter 17, how can God be three persons in one? I mean, this is a struggle. It's a struggle for non-Christians especially, but it's a struggle for Christians to try to explain it. And they usually come up with analogies to try to explain it. And (laughs) the problem is the analogies don't work. So uh, she does a good job in here. This is Natasha Crane, that's C-R-A-I-N. And uh, I like her, I like all of her work, very, very good. Uh, Great podcasts and uh, all sorts of good things that you can listen to and, and watch that she produces. So how can God be three persons in one? She said the doctrine of the Trinity states, there's one God, God is three distinct persons, Each person is fully God. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. Now what she's going to do then is to take each one of these to illustrate it and show where we go wrong with our uh, uh, analogies here. So here we go. All right. So she says it's really hard for kids to understand this. She says it's a belief that most adults struggle with. And she said when – I like it because she talks about her own family, by the way. So she said when her kids were younger – she peeled a hard boiled egg in front of them to demonstrate how the Trinity is like an egg. I mean, think about it you got the shell, and you peel the shell, and you got the white part, and you get rid of that, and you're down to the yolk. Okay, so it's one egg, just like the Father and Son, and the Holy Spirit make up one God. But she says, oops, that's a serious error. It suggests God is made up of three parts combining to make one whole. And so she explains later in the chapter why that's not a good analogy. And she said, the Trinity is a mystery. I mean, it's definitely a mystery, something we can't fully understand. But she makes sure that we understand it's mysterious, yes, but it's not illogical. She said that's what uh, skeptics will come up with. They'll say it's illogical, uh, that it defies the rules of logic. It's a contradiction, the skeptic will say. And she notes that a contradiction, though, is when two different statements can't be true at the same time in the same way. So, for example, if you said, well, there are three gods or one God, or to say that three persons are one person, but that's not what the Trinity says. It says there is one God existing as three persons. As some people have said, one what and three who's. Now, it said that does not defy the rules of logic. So she said, let's go over those three points. So let's, we're on our way here. Number one, there's only one God. Well, we can find that all over the place, can't we? I always think of the Shema, which is the Jewish call. that says, This is in Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And Isaiah 43.10. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. So that's it. There's one God. And she gives a lot of other verses. Now, if you want to contact me, I can give you the rest of them, but I don't want to take the time to do that right now. She notes that if you believe there's one God, you're a monotheist. So Islam and Judaism and Christianity, they're all monotheistic religions. But if you say there's one God existing in three persons, that's different from what Judaism and Islam teaches. She says Jews and Muslims often interpret the idea of Trinity means that Christians believe there are three gods. That's tritheism. But that's not it. She gives an example of Mormonism. There's a non-monotheistic religion. Mormons think there are a lot of gods. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are three gods, and they just function as one in purpose. But that's not what Christianity says. So she says, here go the bad analogies, right? So you can't say the Trinity is like an egg made up of a yolk and the white and the shell, because that denies the unity of God. I mean, think about it. The egg is composed of three unalike parts, but the Father and the Son, the Spirit, are all one substance. But that's not true of the egg. So that's a bad analogy. Here's another bad analogy she says to argue there's one God. People will say, well, the Trinity's like a three-leaf clover. But she says that denies the unity of God. Each leaf is distinct. It doesn't share the same nature. But in the Trinity, each member shares the same divine nature. Okay, so we got to watch those analogies. In fact, I don't think there's any analogy that works well. So there's number one, we believe there's one God, and others will nod their heads and say, sure. Now, three distinct persons, that's a second point, point. and she says the Bible explicitly tells us there's just one God, but it doesn't state explicitly that God exists in three persons. So you have to establish, she says, basically two facts. One, the Bible speaks of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit as three distinct persons, and each one of those distinct persons is fully God. So, let's start that second point there. Three distinct persons, are they? Sure. So, it says we should see them acting simultaneously. And probably the best place to go is Matthew three sixteen and 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. And she has other verses as well. So it said that counters the idea that God is one person who acts in three different forms or three different modes. You know, at one time he's God the Father, at another time he's God the Son, at another time he's God the Holy Spirit. But if there are three modes that God shifts between, then all three couldn't simultaneously be there and interact and participate at the baptism. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Here's some bad uh, analogies again somebody says, oh, the Trinity is like water. Have you heard this one? It it can exist in three forms. It can be solid, it can be liquid, it can be gas. Well, yeah, that's true. It can exist in those three forms, but the same molecule of water can't exist in all three forms at the same time. So that analogy implies God is not three distinct coexisting persons. That's modalism again, that he he could be the solid, he could be the liquid, he, can't, he could be the gas, but he can't be all three. That's not what we say about the Trinity. She says, here's another analogy that doesn't work. The Trinity is like a man who is simultaneously a father, a husband, and a son. Now, that sounds good. She says, well, wait, a man can't simultaneously be a father, a husband, and a son to the same person. His role just changes, to just depending on who he's interacting with. So again, that implies God is just one person who changes roles. That's modalism. All right, here comes the final piece of the puzzle here. you have Now, you said that there's one God. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit are three distinct persons. What's the final thing you have to do? Show that each person is fully God. So she's got verses for each of these. Again, I think I'll just pick maybe one for each. So what about the Father? Is he fully God? Yeah, what does uh, Romans 1, 7 say? What does Paul say? Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are a lot of other verses as well. What about Jesus? Is he fully God? Of course, this uh, this is crunch time, right? A lot of people object to this idea. But just take the beginning of the book of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So who's this Word, capital W? That's Jesus. So one more time, look at that. In the beginning was the Word. It was never created. The Word was with God. Okay, not created. And the Word was God. And then it became flesh. This Word became flesh. So Jesus has always been God and then had an incarnation here on earth. Okay, so the Father is fully God. The Son is fully God. Now what about the Holy Spirit? Some people say, oh, the Holy Spirit that's a um, that's just a force. Uh, no. What about 1 Corinthians 3.16? Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? I always think, too, of when Peter said um, to Ananias and Sapphire, you didn't lie to me, you lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, you you can't lie to a force. And Jesus said the Holy Spirit will bring these things to your mind. I mean, this has got to be a fully God and a full full individual person. So she says um, there's an analogy that doesn't work very well. The Trinity is like the Son. Well, what, what's being said there? Well, see, the Father is the Son, and the Son and the Holy Spirit are like the heat and the light that's created by the Son. Oh, that's, not, that's pretty dangerous, because what's that saying? That's echoing an old belief called Arianism. It implies that there's the Father first, And then the Son and the Holy Spirit originated from the Father. That's not what the Trinity says. It says that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all existed from the beginning. So she says, watch out for that analogy. All right, toward the end of the chapter, I like the way she's got this organized. She always has a section called Key Points. And So let's go through those real quickly. The Doctrine of the Trinity, three points. There's one God. God is three distinct persons. Each person is fully God. She says Scripture states explicitly there's only one God. And then you can find verses that show the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit are, act, are Spirit are acting together, or they're listed together. That demonstrates they're distinct persons. It's not just one God working in different forms. Many other verses, she says, indicate that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are each fully God. And then she says popular analogies for the Trinity all have heresies. says uh, you could use them, but if you use them, Tell them that's what the Trinity is not. And then at the very end of the chapters, remember this is supposed to be talking to your kids about God. So she says, all right, so what kind of conversations can you do? And so she has a conversation guide. Again, I think that's really helpful. So maybe opening the conversation, she says, okay, talk to your kids. Tell them that there's one God. God's three distinct persons, and each of these is fully God. then the question would be, do you think the Trinity is easy or hard to understand? Why? So there's an opener. Then she has another section called Advance the Conversation. She says, sit down with your kids, read the verses that show there's only one God. Do you think the idea that God is three persons contradicts these verses? And she says, you may have to explain to them what a contradiction is and show them the Trinity is not a contradiction. She says also, how about reading Matthew 3, 16, and 17 to show Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three distinct persons. How do these verses show that? Well, because they're all active simultaneously. And she says you can contrast that with the idea of modalism. Another thing she suggests is read the verses that show each person in the Trinity is fully God. How do the verses show this? She says it's not necessarily obvious. You want to go through and Discuss with your kids how each one equates the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit with God. And then she says, for additional discussions, offer analogies from this chapter. Ask your kids to say what's gone wrong with describing these. So I think that's really excellent. The final thing she does, and again, I like this a lot. She's found all sorts of things from the internet that are poorly thought out and, and poor thoughts about Christianity. So here's the one regarding the Trinity. She took this uh, from online someplace. Here's a quote. The Trinity is not exactly logical. Those who defend Christianity have what they believe to to be a clear, concise, and rational answer for this conundrum. I've heard it and don't buy it. I much prefer to ponder the idea of there being one mysterious, mysterious and largely unknowable deity out there somewhere. And then she says, well, how would you respond to this person's statement that the Trinity isn't logical and that you'd rather believe in something else? So I like that. She's willing to to wrestle with these big issues here. So again, this is called Talking With Your Kids About God. She's got other books in this process as well, Keeping Your Kids on God's Side. She's got a blog called Christian Mom Thoughts. And uh, if you ever have a chance to go see her and, and hear a presentation or look at her work on YouTube, uh, you'll see she's clear, she's a good thinker, and she really engages with what we're hearing in the culture today. So that's uh, Natasha Crane. I really appreciate the work that she's done. And I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. We'll do another podcast soon.